I'm here in the church and the choir is practicing for the Christmas celebrations and Henk is uh, busy with the candles for the for the Christmas Eve mass I'm recording this on the last day before Christmas and I'm walking outside for a short walk something I try to do on a daily basis now that I'm uh, trying to recover and especially on a day like this where I've got a couple of busy days ahead nothing like last year but still um, I have a mass every every day for four days in a row because of course Christmas is uh, is now or Christmas Eve is uh, is tonight Thursday uh, Christmas morning Friday Saturday second day of Christmas which is uh, traditionally always celebrated as well in our parishes here in the Netherlands and then of course it's Sunday again so every mass is in a different place and I'm super happy that um, despite the indications we had earlier on that uh, it wouldn't be possible that we are able to stream Christmas Eve Mass to the parishioners here but also to the international community that uh, has formed around those uh, those COVID Masses I don't know how to call them the Corona Masses and it's been really wonderful this year to um uh, uh, to find that community, to, to be able to pray together thanks to uh, modern technology. Even though many people that are watching those masses are unable to join their local community. So it's wonderful uh, that we've been able to do that. So four masses normally, I think originally a couple of weeks ago, I was scheduled to do at least seven masses. <laughs> And I had already indicated that... Uh, With in, in regards to my current health situation, that would be too, mu too much. I don't think I can do three Masses on Christmas Eve and then two the next morning, the first of which is pretty early. Um, I have trouble enough uh, getting through one Mass uh, on, on Sunday. And so they had already lowered <laughs> the amount of uh, Masses for which I was scheduled. And then just recently, only two weeks ago, we were told that uh, the bishops had decided, seeing the spread of uh, the coronavirus in, in this part of the world, that it would not be wise to open the churches on Christmas Eve, and they encouraged us to use streaming technology to reach our parishioners, which is exactly what we do. But that also took a few masses off my schedule. So, I'm actually quite calm today, which is a new experience ever since I was ordained a priest. Christmas time has always been um, uh, very intense um, and busy. <laughs> Plus, I always, since I, had always, I always had this combination of both parish work and media work, Um, there was always this deadline as well for Christmas uh, uh, shows that I had to deliver. And so even last year, I think I was editing up until the last moment because we had um, a ATV show on, on, I think on the 24th, on today. So it means 
It meant that the days before I was working like crazy to finish that. This year that wasn't the case, so uh, I uh, handed in my last uh, TV episode two weeks ago, I think. And uh, so I've been able to kind of ease into the the winter holiday, and that was, I think, right at the it was the, the right time to do that. Um, and the uh, the uh, what is it? My brain freezes sometimes. My hands are freezing. <laughs> My brain also freezes. This happens a lot lately. It's almost as if uh, uh, the confusion and the difficulty I have sometimes to remember things is getting worse. And it's one of the side effects of having gone through uh, through COVID. It's a leaf blower. People are cleaning up the pavement to make it look nice for Christmas. But there are some aspects of my health that are uh, that have been uh, going backwards instead of improving, and that's one of the reasons, of course, that I'm following this uh, trajectory of uh, um, occupational therapy and physical therapy, and they're kind of overlapping a little bit. Uh, the occupational therapy helps me with uh, balancing my activities. Uh, to make sure that I uh, that I rest before I get tired, <laughs> and that I create reserves, and that's what my my system, my body, my mind needs uh, in order to recover. It needs to have a margin, and uh, one of the things that I've been discovering over the past three weeks that I'm doing this, following this therapy now, is that my my previous lifestyle, my habitual way, modus operandi, as they say in Latin, my, my habitual way of doing things, was always pushing the boundaries, always going over uh, your own energy levels, pushing yourself harder and harder. And I knew this, but I was always able to recover quickly in between those activities. And so... Um, the both therapists tell me that I have a tendency to uh, um, well to, to to try to to want too much. I always have this work ethic that pushes me to do more. It's never enough. It's never good enough. It's also one another aspect of it. And so they've urged me to really slow down um, and. Uh, and, and the occupational therapist uh, gave me a, a list that I have to fill in for a couple of days so that she can see what uh, the overall schedule of the day is and if I take enough rest or not. And if there, So I think that that will really help. The physical therapy is, uh, is very broad. So it's an assessment, first of all. They need to know what my health is. So we ruled out, and I'm very happy with that, we ruled out uh, any you know, uh, breathing difficulties or lung problems or anything. So that doesn't seem to be affected. I still have that um, high heart rate, which is uh, apparently one of the two symptoms that most people that are following this 
trajectory display. So you either have people that are very quickly out of breath, or you have people with sky-high heart rates. And, well, I belong to the latter category. So what the uh, physical therapist has told me to do is um, to, to always calm down the heart rate as soon as it goes over uh, 100. Except, of course, uh, when I'm, when I'm uh, on a bike or something like that. And sometimes the, it's a form of exercise. And if it's not too long, then that's not a problem. But I have these spikes in my heart rate. For instance, when I run up the stairs... <laughs> I often have to do that during the day at the rectory, and then um, my heart rate, my heartbeat goes from 80 beats per second, or per second, 80, that would be something, 80 beats per minute, <laughs> to, uh, to 135 the other day. And whenever that happens, I'm supposed to stop. Uh, focus on my breathing and bring the heart rate down and I think I've already mentioned the type of kind of awareness exercises that I have to do uh, focusing your mind on uh, on different parts of your body so your, your legs your, your muscles your back all that and then slowly direct your attention to the uh, respiration and the result of those exercises, and I've experienced that myself, is to really um, calm the mind and thereby, I think, as a, as a side effect, also calm the, the heart. So you lower... It's like, you know, going from red alert to yellow alert in Star Trek. You lower the, the urgency level, and so all systems kind of go down. Less energy has to be diverted to... Uh, keeping in that state of alertness. And, and this was another thing that both therapists have shown me, <laughs> that uh, my, I'm constantly on alert, on high alert even. And it's probably because of this, this overload uh, work-wise and also stress. Um, I think I've kind of told you that there is quite a bit going on right now stuff that I can't talk about yet um, but it's it's very stressful and uh, it was a very or actually it still is a pretty tough situation to deal with uh, brings about a lot of uncertainty and fear and if there is anything that I don't like it's, in, it's insecurity I want to have stability in my life <laughs> so that uh the, the thing is with, uh, with shifting situations, that's okay. I'm not opposed to change. And I have gone through a lot of changing circumstances in my life. Always was, I was always able to adapt. But it's, it's, it is a very energy-intensive uh, process, change. Because you have to adapt. And especially now that I'm recovering, um, it's often too much. And then... It's not very beneficial. So anyway, um, that probably has contributed to be to my state that I'm constantly on high alert, um, 
constantly reacting to what happens. And some, oftentimes I have to react to it because the things are changing so quickly. So uh, I'm glad that this, for me, is a relatively quiet Christmas. Not to, to jump over some pools here. It's been raining quite a bit. And the path that I'm following into the woods is super muddy. As you can probably hear. It's mud and water. And this is used by, mostly by bikes. There's a bike coming behind me. Let me step aside. It's a father with a daughter on the steering. How do you call that? It's not the steering wheel, but the, the handles, the handlebars, is that it? <laughs> the Dutch have very peculiar ways of transporting their kids on a bike. No helmets. <laughs> it hardly ever goes wrong. So, uh, But for people that are not from this country, we, we, we were basically born with bikes. Uh, in many other countries, it's much more dangerous. And then they panic when they see what parents do to kids here. Um, so having this uh, slightly calmer Christmas, I think, is, uh, is good. <laughs> and, and that's also why I'm taking this walk deliberately. It's not really the physical exercise that I need, but it helps me process things. Yesterday, for instance, I had another confrontation um, and some stuff happening, and it was... I don't know, just very... I felt very intimidated and it was... Uh, it was, uh, in a certain way, it was expected, but it was also kind of worst-case scenario that happened. And um, and I just went for a walk. It was just... I, I was like, okay, I cannot sit here. I need to go for a walk. And ultimately, I ended up walking for about three hours, which is way too much. So I'm not going to tell my therapist. <laughs> but I just had to, and it was really helpful. I didn't even want to record anything, or I was very upset. But the act of walking helped me process. It didn't really yield any solutions, but it helped me to rethink the situation, to reframe. It's one of the things that I've learned this year. How to, how to reframe what's happening to you. And instead of letting things happen to you, um, the, one of the keys that I've found to gain my balance much quicker than ever before is, um, is to own things that happen. So instead of just blaming the world, blaming other people, sure, there's... In, I think in my situation, there are some people that I blame for what is happening, but it doesn't really help. It doesn't, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't change the situation. And it certainly doesn't uh, solve anything emotion, emotionally for me. And so I was listening to, uh, to a book the other day by a Scottish author. I forgot his name. Gary something... Well, anyway, it's in my Goodreads uh, list. And uh, the book was in... in and in a way, it was also... I reread another book in a, in a similar vein, and it was all about um, 
stop stop blaming your upbringing, your youth, your past, the people that harmed you, <laughs> the, the circumstances, yourself. Stop blaming because it doesn't really help you to, to move ahead. Instead, just own it. Own it and focus on the future. Where do you want to go? What's in your way? What are your values? And if you are in a situation that does not match your, your values, uh, change the situation. Be, be, be brave to, 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 well, to make changes yourself instead of letting the circumstances change things for you. That has been very helpful. It's always this proactive way of thinking. Um, and it, it, it's, it's very natural, it's very human, I think, to, to struggle with, with change and struggle with things that seemingly are, you know, negative or, or are harming you or harming your, your, your family or your uh, opportunities or whatever. But instead of getting stuck and losing all your energy into sulking about it and moaning and complaining and blaming, um, change that around in your head. The only one who can change the outlook is, is you. And so look ahead. Uh, focus on the future and take control of your life instead of letting other people control your state of mind and your emotions. That's been a very eye-opening uh, lesson that I've learned and I try to apply it as much as I can and so the, the part of the you know get being disappointed feeling pain uh, feeling uh, not feeling loved or acknowledged enough that's all it's part of the deal and that's not that's not really the problem the problem is if you get stuck in those feelings so the next step in that pro- that should be the first step the next step should be to um, to take control, to sit at the wheel and take a turn if necessary. That, of course, is the scary part because you don't really know where that is going, but that's hardly ever the case in life. You rarely ever are in control. And so the best thing you can do is to reframe your situation, put it in a bigger perspective, and... Uh, and look at where you need to go, where, where uh, your path is leading, where God wants you to be, what God calls you to be, uh, whatever you call it. It is um, giving yourself something to move towards. And that makes it a lot less scary. And you can still make mistakes and you can still uh, take a wrong turn here and there, but it doesn't matter. As long as you have your eyes on the horizon, it's like taking a wrong turn your your GPS, your mental GPS will, will recalculate the, the itinerary. So taking a wrong turn from time to time shouldn't freak you out. It should just be an invitation to recalibrate and, and, and still always know where you're going or at least you, d- you never know really where you're going but <laughs> the general direction. What, what do you feel called to? Um, if I want to connect that to Christmas and I want to (laughs) then I would say the situation of uh, Mary and Joseph is 
similar to our situations often in life. Their life has been uprooted pretty severely. They didn't ask for that, uh, uh, that decree <laughs> that they had to travel to Joseph's town and get registered and everything. Um, it was the worst of times. Mary was pregnant. It was this whole awkward situation for Joseph, for, for, for the both of them, for their families. Um, they have had these appearances and dreams of angels. There was a lot that they did not control, nor did they oversee the consequences or the scope of what happened. But the, their attitude has, has been one of... Uh, the, first, the first reaction of Mary when the angel appears to her is one of concern. Um, how can this be? Um, no, the concern is actually is because of the angel. <laughs> it's like, okay, that I did not expect an angel to appear. But then what the angel says is, fear not, Mary. Be not afraid. Beautiful. Um, and then her next one is uh, clarification. She asks for clarification. How is this going to happen since I, well, I'm not married? And then uh, her third reply to the angel after she hears the entire the bigger plan and sees the bigger picture is let it be done according to your will. So she connects her own her own life and the choices that she will make to this bigger plan that God has in store for her and that he invites her to uh, to embrace. And that's exactly what she does. Joseph is the same situation. He he is at first afraid of what will happen when people will discover that Mary is pregnant and he's not the father and uh, and he makes his own plans so he tries to find the solution just sneak away and uh, at least there will be no scandal and then he is also surprised by an angel in his dreams telling him about his responsibility he has to play a part in this bigger plan that until that dream he did not he did not see did not understand and so he too chooses to take care of Mary and her child and embraces God's plan even though he too does not know all the implications and they've gone through quite a bit of hardship so those two people show us I think shows the way this is the way and Jesus um will later on do exactly the same. He too constantly reminds his followers that he, his journey is not one of quick results, not one of uh, personal success and happiness, but it's, it's, the, it's his Father's will. That is the only thing that matters. And he, he wants to go where his Father sends him. And it's not to a comfortable life. It is a life that is constantly on on the move even though Jesus has lived sometimes for several years in in uh, in in towns but most of the stories that we read about him uh, tell us about his journeys where he doesn't have a place to stay he doesn't have a bed no shelter and that's fine because he knows that the journey is part of um 
it's part of God's plan. It's what God wants him to, to do. And he also knows that the, 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 the journey will ultimately lead to Jerusalem and it will culminate in his sacrifice on the cross, which <laughs> it's not a very positive, attractive goal, but there is an inner peace in him because it is what the Father wants him to do. And so his reaction to that plan is much better than most of the apostles who are constantly, well, not constantly, but are often asking, let us settle here. You know, this is, we're here on the mountain. We, <laughs> we have Moses and Elijah and let's build three tents and then just stay here. This is awesome. We're done. And then Jesus says, no, you're not. And we're not going to stay here. We have to move on. And that's, that's the same in life. Uh, so it's it the the art of living is the art of always um, I'm trying to find the right the right the right way to describe this. It's the art I think ultimately it's 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 the art of letting go. Um, it's, it's always be ready to sacrifice what you thought you had. Um, when Mary and Joseph start their journey towards uh, Bethlehem, they have to leave everything behind. Uh, Joseph's workshop, their plans for uh, the, the birth of their son or their child, they didn't know if it would be a son. Well, actually, Mary knew. No, actually, they did know. <laughs> the angels spoiled it to them. It's going to be a son. Gosh, we wanted to be surprised. Anyway, we cross the road here and take the other path through, through the woods here. Let's see. Let me turn to the right. I think this is actually for horses, but almost no one is riding horses now. It's a bit too chilly, I suppose. Do you have some other people going for walks? Always trying to keep their distance. So, um, what was I saying? Oh, actually, I think I know, I know these people. Uh... So they have to leave everything behind. In a way, their child, Jesus, being the Son of God, also left everything behind, his, his heavenly glory, to embark on this crazy adventure <laughs> in a world that mostly was hostile to him. Um, but it's, it's not despite their poverty and despite their disarray and being deprived of everything that they found happiness. It is in the darkness that the light shines. It's in the real life <laughs> uh, that you will have to fulfill your vocation, that God, God wants you sometimes to go through the darkness so that he can be your light, so that he can send angels to, to help you. And in many ways, I think this corona uh, year that many people are Discarding is something that we should forget about, and it's not been 
beneficial in any way or form or shape and they're hoping the best for 2021 and it's, you know it's all very natural but I, I wonder if we're not forgetting also the many blessings that this year has brought us especially and I'm not talking about opportunities or whatever but the most valuable thing at least that I've experienced in my life are the people that brought light in my own darkness the people that helped me in situation where, where, situations where I feel a bit helpless there have been many of those and there are still a couple of things going on right now that I feel I don't know not equipped to deal with on my own but I'm not alone I have friends I have people that advise me people that help me and they've brought so much life uh, so much light stupid COVID brain so much light in my life that is, in, I think, a reflection of the, of the light that we celebrate at Christmas. It's not an abstract philosophical light or metaphorical light. No, it's re- the light in Christmas is in the faces of the people in Bethlehem. It's in the encounter with the Son of God, in His face, in His smile that his parents find light in those difficult situa- in that difficult situation those difficult times with lots of stringent rules and regulations that they need to comply with but instead of complaining about it and blaming the romans or whatever they constantly know that they are on a journey and it's god's plan that is unfolding in the middle of the night in the darkness that people cause and they find light in being together, loving each other, taking care of each other. And that is exactly, I think, what, what is the uplifting aspect of, of this time of corona. There's been immense suffering. We have lost a lot, but that's nothing compared to what, what many people around us have lost. People that they loved. Young people with most of their life ahead of them that got ill and didn't make it. Parents, grandparents, also children. Not that many, but still. The virus has caused so many, many people to get terminally ill and robbed people from their loved ones. It's a, it's a very testing year. But it's in the middle of that darkness that misery that oftentimes people will experience that they're not alone there are people that have compassion that help that fight for for those that are ill and it's on those people that I think we should focus if we look back on this year don't just look at the bad stuff don't just look at everything you had to leave behind Don't fear too much for the future that is out of your control. But think of all the people that have been a light in your life and be thankful for them and lean upon them for your own, for your own, on your own journey and ask for their advice. If you don't, 
if you're not certain which road to take. That's what I try to do. And I can even be more specific. I can, I can come up with many examples of people that have made my life so much brighter this year. Uh, of course, my closest friends and collaborator, collaborators, the people that I work with, uh, Inge, Henk, the members of the board of Tridio that have been both professionally but also personally a great help and a source of encouragement and, and sometimes even correction you know people helping me to to discern uh, the situation and to discern what to do what not to do give feedback sometimes push back I've learned so much from them and it's been a true source of of gratitude for me to uh, to know that these people care. <laughs> then we have uh, the people that supported me by their encouragements, by their feedback, and I'm thinking of, of, of a lot of my listeners and community members on YouTube and on other social media just being able to to bring joy in their lives and then them giving that back to me it's been a, such a tremendous source of of encouragement and sometimes that lots of mud here oh my goodness i'm totally wearing the wrong shoes for this for this walk <laughs> I, thankfully, I do have Sunday shoes that I'm going to put on tonight for Mass. Because these shoes are no longer black. <laughs> They're covered in mud. Um, but, but very often, when I was kind of struggling with stuff, or going through difficult moments, or overloaded with work, or even when I got sick, and I was uh, in bed for three weeks with a bursting headache... Just seeing the outpour of kindness, it's amazing. It doesn't take away the headache, but it makes it bearable. It doesn't cure me, but it still lifts me up. So I'm super happy with that big, big community that feels really like my, my parish. That's, this is a real community of real people. It's not virtual. It's not just digital. There is a warming, heartwarming connection of friendship. And I feel blessed to, to have that community and to be able to be part of that community just as much as I, I, I provide that community with occasions to, to get together and to share our common love for Star Wars and whatnot. Um, another person that I'm very grateful for this year has been uh, Cliff uh, Ravenscraft who offered me to to coach me and he was the first one to help me see the power of of reframing the situation to stop uh, complaining about the stuff that would happen to me but instead uh, to immediately 
learn to rephrase it and reframe it into something that can help you. Even the bad situation, something I didn't thought, didn't think was possible. But to experience something that in the past would have brought me down completely um, and would even harm me, uh, cause trauma and whatnot, to turn that around, to, to well, again, take charge of the situation, own what happens, take ownership of whatever is not in your control. It sounds so contradictory. Something that you didn't cause, something that affects you deeply, instead of blaming <laughs> the people that did cause it, take ownership of it, accept it, also accept that life is not always going your way or at least not not doesn't always seem to go your way always think of the possibilities to approach it in a different way approach people in a different way and sometimes also maybe that's more something that I've tried to learn uh, personally is also to step away from toxic situations or to step away from people or work not in line with your core values. That was another big lesson for me. This is, I've, I've always been a people pleaser, you know that. And so I always try to um, help as much as I could, uh, but that sometimes prevented me from, choose, from being bolder, from going my own way, uh, following my own values. And sometimes I would just contribute to um, to a situation that I actually don't agree with at all and I think this year I found this is the year that I found my courage to choose for uh, for an itinerary of my life along the lines of my values and what I feel called to those are not my values but I've embraced certain values Oh, it's starting to rain all of a sudden. And I don't have my raincoat with me. Ah, I was looking for my... Uh, uh, my. Oh, gosh, I hope it's not going to pour down. There are no leaves on the trees either, so I can't really shelter under a tree. Uh-oh. Oh, well. <laughs> I'll get wet. Embrace it. Accept it. Can't blame the skies for it. It's part of the situation. Um, but I may want to look for... There are no pine trees here either. This is mostly oak trees, I think. Chestnut trees. Ew. I should have checked the, uh, the radar before I went on for a walk. This happens to me a little bit too often. Okay, this tree has more branches than the other one, so I'll just... I'll just, uh hug this tree <laughs> see if that helps a little bit oh yes it does help a little bit okay so um oh boy uh, total downpour yikes <laughs> okay i'm just gonna use my coat to cover my head and to cover the microphone because i don't think this is this is good for my equipment sorry about this <laughs> Well, that was short. That was brief. 
Okay, it's still raining, but uh, it's just a momentary outburst. Okay, let's continue. Thank you, tree, for your shelter. Um, but anyway, <laughs> the thing is, if you hold on to uh, to a situation that you're not totally comfortable with, and you only dream about another life, nothing will ever change. So sometimes you have to be courageous and just choose and own the consequences, even if the consequences are not what you expected. I'm talking about my situation right now. <laughs> and just stay calm despite the, the uncertainty. And to also defend your own interests. That is also important. Uh, I've, I've learned how to be more assertive and to react and, uh, and fight for, for what I want to protect. It's my mission. And if someone is in the way of what I feel that I need to do in my life, then that person is going to have some trouble. And so I've been much more assertive the process that started two years ago but this year I've I've, I've had some training <laughs> and that's not always that's not always helping the situation, that's not always convincing you hear the cars here on the road next to, I'm still walking in the, in the forest here, there is a highway on my right that's why you hear all that traffic last minute traffic I suppose everybody wants to be home in time even though we can't be together with family. I think there is a uh, temporary possibility now of receiving two guests or three guests, I think, instead of two. But that's about it. And I'm pretty sure that we'll get even um, more stringent rules in the days to come because of the more contagious uh, variants of the virus that have been uh, doing the rounds in certain parts of the world and undoubtedly also in the Netherlands. Uh, so sometimes you anger people when you don't agree, when you, when you voice your dissent or when you're critical. And that's kind of new for me. That's a new experience that people don't like it when I'm critical because I never was. I always, you know, shrugged and, and tried to cope with it myself. Sometimes you, you just have to say what you don't like and also be brief about it. I would always spend, I don't know, I, I would write these long emails in which I try to kind of sugarcoat my criticism and, and I've learned that being brief, direct and also non-judgmental, never, never really blame a person but talk about a situation that you think needs to change um, that has been an easier way for me to to deal with a situation that I don't like. Let me go to the right here and leave this muddy path. I think this may be a private road from the farm here on my right. But, oh, no, it's not, actually. There's a fence there, so this part should be public. So anyway, long story short, uh, Cliff has really been helpful with the, the, 
the coaching sessions that he gave me and, and also pointed me to uh, a number of books that I read and learned a lot from and I think that I should reread a couple of them just as I did with uh, some other books lately because it, it's not always you can't really process everything that's in these books it's often based on uh, lifelong experiences of the of the authors and so in a reread you sometimes notice other stuff plus it's uh, these books are meant to uh, to bring about change and that's a process so it's not you can't you cannot learn the art of life just by reading a book the applying it is much more important it's just like the bible <laughs> you can't read the bible from cover to cover something that i've never done i'm not planning to do that anytime soon but just by reading the bible doesn't make you holy doesn't make you a saint uh, it's, what is much more important is to apply it and try to apply it and seek to apply it which is a process and it's not always very obvious sometimes or often faith can be a struggle and you wonder what God wants you to do we're not always lucky to get apparitions from angels that tell us oh tomorrow you do this and then <laughs> the next week here's your target now go do it make it so Angels are rarely starship commanders or captains. You, will, you are the captain, and you are the one who has to plot a course using, I think, the Bible uh, and the advice of the people around you as, as pointers. The Bible is the map, but you still have to make the journey. So makes life interesting let's put it that way I'm in a way happy that this uh, intermediate phase of struggle and change and stuff I can't talk about yet is uh, coming to an end soon soon-ish not, every, not everything will be resolved soon but I hope that at least a, a number of things will uh, become clear and then we'll take it from there. 2021 is not a given. It's not certain how things will unfold on a worldwide scale and in my private life. But what I do know is that I have the tools and I have the people that can guide me. And I've come so far this year, <laughs> in this uh, corona crisis year, that I have no doubt that with their help and with the tools that I've gathered 2021 is going to be a great year not not maybe not an easy year but it is definitely I think going to be a good year why well because I'm at the wheel I've got God's guidance and on my GPS I've got you I've got a community and well I've got, hopefully, a little bit of, uh, of wind in my back from the Holy Spirit. Hey, that's it. I'm going to head home. I've been walking for 47 minutes. I think my therapist would be proud of me because I always have to stay at uh, 50 or 75, maximum 75% of 
my normal effort. So I keep 25% reserve. And so normally I would, uh, I would walk for an hour. And now I walk for 45 minutes. <laughs> I'll keep in touch with you. I'm also going to record my two other Christmas shows. They will be a little bit more cheerful. This has been a bit more like ponderings. Um, I hope you have a, a wonderful Christmas holiday. Hopefully restful. I hope that at least some of the stuff that I've been sharing with you this past year has been helpful or has helped you think about aspects in your own life. Thank you so much for the privilege of your company. Uh, Have a Merry Christmas and we'll talk soon. God bless.